good morning, Connection. We still doing all right? Good, good. Yeah, pretty good. All right. Well, awesome. Well, my name is John, and I serve as one of the pastors um, up in Statesboro, and I'm thrilled to be able to be with you here today. Um, I've gotten to come and share with y'all um, last year, kind of in the middle of the year, and was able to be with y'all when you first started um, at the school over there. And man, I love being here. I love this body of believers. It's so um, just encouraging to see what the Lord's doing. Um, it was just, man, um, I know towards the end of the year when we were all doing that um, kind of greater campaign, um, it was just, man, in, so incredible to see what um, God did through y'all. Um, it's just awesome to see, you know, here's Michael giving this this push to say, hey, let's raise $10,000. And you're like, hey, that's funny, Michael. We're going to raise $50,000. And I'm just like, Michael, that's insane. He comes back. He's like, yeah, I don't know what's happening. And man, it's been cool because I've gotten to share that with some of our um, connectors up in states for and share with them what's going on down here. And it inspires them. It, it gets them excited. And so, um, man, it's just um, a, a joy to see what God's doing in through y'all. Um, and, and again, I just, um, I really believe that the best is yet to come for um, this church and um, God's only getting started um, with y'all and it's just going to continue to use y'all in incredible ways. So man, um, thank you all for having me today. Um, hopefully um, we can be challenged in our faith today. We can be encouraged in our faith today. Um, as you see, we are continuing this series called Disciple. And um, if you're taking notes, you can go and begin taking notes. Um, throughout this whole series, you're going to hear this definition of disciple. And this is what that definition is. We believe that a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. A disciple is somebody who follows Jesus. That means they put their faith in Jesus. They are deciding to, to surrender their life of, of what their desires are in order to um, assign that to um, Jesus instead. So it's, again, this is somebody who is following Jesus. This is somebody who is being um, transformed by Jesus. So this is meaning that a disciple is somebody who is not just staying the same, right? We'd be um, having our minds renewed. And I'm good. I don't need to do anything else, right? As Christians, we need to be continually be um, having our minds renewed. We need to continue to press into the Lord. We need to continue to work out our salvation, as the Bible says, to continue to grow in our relationship with the Lord. So we're being transformed by Jesus. And finally, that a disciple is someone who is joining Jesus on his mission. So we're taking this gospel, we're taking the good news of Jesus, and we're taking it to those that don't know it. So a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. A disciple is someone who is being transformed um, by Jesus. And a disciple is someone who is joining Jesus on his mission. And so throughout the series, again, you're going to hear that. And we're kind of breaking this up into three different segments. We're breaking into being a servant, being a worshiper, and being a missionary. Last week, y'all heard from Billy um, from um, the church in Vidalia, and he was able to open up kind of talking about being a servant. And I um, mean, I, I love Billy. He's such an incredible um, teacher of the word. And um, I'm hoping to kind of piggyback off of what um, Billy was talking about um, and kind of press in a little bit more on being a servant and what that looks like um, and how we can apply that to our lives. And so if you weren't here last week, I kind of want to recap a little bit about what Billy said or just bring us back um, up to speed, kind of refresh our minds just a little bit. And so some of the things that Billy talked about when he he talked about serving. He's one of the big things he, he made it a point to say is that our serving does not give us salvation, right? It is a result of our salvation, right? So when we serve, when we're called to, to do things for others, called to do things for the Lord, this is not to, to try to earn our salvation. There's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to earn salvation. But once we receive salvation, which is, again, can only happen through Christ, because of that, in light of that, now we serve. In light of what Jesus did for us, now our response is serving, right? The, the world says it's the other way around. Every other, um, I guess, even religion out there, it's about what can we do? What do we have to do to clean ourselves up? What do we have to do to be able to get enough things right? And Jesus says it's that opposite. He says, look, it's not about what you can do. It's about what 
I have done. And so again, our serving is a result of our salvation, not in order to attain salvation. The other thing he says is that serving does not come from our own strength. Right? We don't serve. We don't just um, try to do it in and of ourselves. It is Christ moving through us that we're able to serve, right? So it's ultimately, it's not even us doing it. It is Jesus working in and through us. It's a very important thing for us to remember. Another thing is that um, one of the things Billy says is that the heart of a ser servant develops from the inside out, not the outside in. So we can't just try to clean up the outside, right? We have to have, as we talked about in the beginning, the definition of disciple, Jesus has to be transforming us, right? We have to begin pressing into the Lord. And as that happens, as we become more like Christ, what happens is the inside of us begins to change, right? The inside of us begins to shift. And through that, as we become more like Christ, one of the things when we experience other people serving, when we're served by other people, we get to see Christ. We get to see the example of Christ in them. And so it's an example for us and it's an encouragement for us. One of the things Billy talked about is he said, look, we need to identify what we're good at, what we enjoy, and then use that for the kingdom. One of the things he said is you see a need, you meet a need. We begin to identify, I mean, what's my gift set? What's the thing that I've been created for as you begin doing it? And what, are, what are the needs that are out there? As you begin identifying those things, begin to do those things. And one of the last things he said was, it's not about me. Right? It's not about me. I remember uh, when I was in high school, um, I read a book. Um, it was a bestseller book. Uh, many of you have probably read it before. It was by a pastor named Rick Warren. It's called A Purpose Driven Life. The beginning of that book, the first line of that book is, it's not about me. It's not about you. And I remember reading that book thinking, okay, man, I'm going to find the purpose of my life. I'm going to find out what this whole thing's about. Man, man, man what, what's it about me? And then you read that first line, you're like, oh, the purpose of my life has nothing to do with me. And it's kind of, he just, he kind of ripped off the Band-Aid of our thinking, of our mindset. And what I realized is the world, the culture tells us it's all about us. The culture tells us that we should live for ourselves. It's about us. It's about us. It's about us. And what we see in Christianity is it's the exact opposite. It's about Jesus. It's about glorifying servant. You have to remove and understand that, that it's not about us. The, when you think about being a servant, you have to remove yourself from the equation. You have to remove your desires, your wants, what you think is best in order to surrender that, surrender that to the Lord. And so I think about, I was thinking about everything that Billy was talking about. I'm like, man, what a perfect opening. You know, he, he talked about Philippians 2 um, as the example for, for what it means to be a servant. Obviously, Philippians 2 is a perfect um, chapter to be able to look at because that's the example of Christ. We see what Christ did for us, him, him laying down his life for us so that we can have that same mindset. He lowered himself. He looked to the interest of others, not to the interest of himself. And man, to be able to look at that and to be able to say, man, we should have the same desires. What a perfect example. But I'm like, what happens when we hear these messages about being a servant? What happens? What do we think about in the back of our minds? What is our natural tendency? What's our natural response is what I started thinking about. And what, as I looked at that and I saw that, you know, he was examining you looking at yourself and saying, what am I good at? What am I gifted at? I started thinking about, man, that's really kind of looking at like our spiritual gifts and looking at the things that, how the Lord created us. You know, I wore this shirt for a reason. It says, every person has a purpose. This was a shirt that we did years ago for um, some of our guest services connectors. And it was the, the idea to think about every one of us was created for a purpose. Every one of us, God desired to do something unique through. And so when you think about that, it's like, okay, I, I really understanding this 
and say, wait, but what do I do with that? How do I respond with that? What happens when I really begin understanding this? And so I started thinking about that, and I'm like, man, that's what I feel like I want to talk about today is when we recognize these gift sets, when we recognize what the Word says, man, what's my natural tendency? What is my natural response to, to seeing this? What I realize is so often when you're reading Scripture, when you're looking at these things, God already knows what we're thinking ahead of time. I don't know if y'all have realized that before, but, like, it's, he's kind of the creator of the universe. He knows everything, right? It's a crazy concept. I know. But, like, he already knows what we're thinking. And so when I think about messages, I'm thinking about what are y'all thinking? When I'm, when I'm up here, when whoever's up here is, is, is preaching, what is the thing that we're thinking about in the back of our, mind, of our minds? And what I think about is that when we hear about being a servant, the the idea of serving others, um, even in our culture, people desire to serve other people. People desire to help people. I mean, that's, that's the thing that no one would say, I'm, I'm against that. But like, man, what are we supposed to um, do with that? And what's going to happen when we as the church, we begin to, to do these things. We begin to, to jump in to begin serving other people. The church begins to grow. What are the things we need to be prepared for, right? We need to kind of think ahead and, and kind of know um, what's coming. And so that's what I want to talk about today is kind of... Um, kind of getting y'all's heads a little bit. Be, what I realized is as I was studying this and as I was preparing for this, I had a lot of conversations with other people. I looked at a lot of different things and the Lord kind of convicted me on a lot of things. He challenged me on a lot to um, realize about myself and maybe um, y'all will be able to, to realize similar things. If not, then hey, at least um, I got something out of it. But, so that's what we're gonna do. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be fun. We ready? We excited? Good, awesome. I'll, I'll go ahead and admit something to you. I already was convicted today. The Lord already challenged me on something because I, I came here, I pulled in the parking lot, and luckily there was a spot right up front, right in front of the front door. So I was like, man, I got the front row spot. Pulled in there, and then I sat there, and I was about to put it in a park, and I'm like, I'm about to talk about being a servant. Probably shouldn't park in the front parking spot. So the Lord convicted me. Not to worry, I listened to that. I heeded the Lord's words, and now you can see that I'm in the back of the parking lot. So I was willing to surrender my own desires for each one of you. So um, the Lord's working on me. All right, let's pray. Father, we just love you so much, and God, I just thank you for... Um, the opportunity to um, preach your word, the opportunity to open your word and see how it applies to our lives. God, I pray that, um, that God, as we um, continue in this series, that, God, you continue to reveal to us um, the things that you're designed for us to do, the steps that you're desiring, desiring for us to take. God, I know every single person in this room, um, they've got different things that they're going through right now. They have different experiences, um, different gift sets, different abilities, um, but God, you have uniquely created each one of them. And God, I, as we examine um, these gift sets and examine um, kind of how we were created, God, I pray that we, um, we step into these roles. God, we don't um, have fear in any of these things. And so, um, God, I just pray that the message is clear today. God, it um, speaks answers um, and where they're here. God, it, um, you speak something um, unique to each person depending on their circumstances um, and where they're at right now. And so, God, um, we just love you and we praise you. Lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. Um, just a little caveat. Um, I talk fast, so you need to listen fast, all right? So that's just kind of the, the rule with all of this. Um, so several weeks ago, when, again, when I was thinking about this um, series, um, Brandon, our senior pastor in, in Statesboro, was um, preaching a message, and he was kind of talking to the congregation, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm realizing there's a lot of people that are beginning to get stirred in their faith. They're beginning to realize, man, I, I want to do something more for the kingdom, but I don't even know um, where to start with that. And he just started hearing from more and more people, I'm just feeling stirred, I'm feeling stirred, I want to do something, but I don't even know where to begin. And so he announced to everyone, he said, okay, on March 10th, um, we're going to have something that evening where we're going to um, kind of identify some of these stirrings that you're having. We're 
going to begin to identify these, um, these gift sets, these different spiritual gifts that we all have, and um, hopefully be able to kind of walk alongside you and um, get you kind of to the point where you can actually be used by God. You can be active in the kingdom. So it's going to be a great time. It's going to be awesome. I want you all to come out and be a part of this. Um, well, we get home, and um, I actually um, needed my dad to take me up and drop my truck off at the shop, and so we're driving in the car, and um, he comes to our church, and he was sitting there. He's kind of a, a newer believer. Both of my parents um, came to know the Lord um, last year. They've kind of been Christians for you know, their whole lives, but it wasn't until then that they kind of this whole March 10th thing, right? I need for Jesus, and so um, we're sitting in the car, and he said, okay, explain to me this whole March 10th thing, right? I, I don't quite understand what's going on, and so I tried to explain it to him a little bit more. I said, well, Dad... I said, oftentimes there's people that they, they want to be used by God, but they don't know where to start, right? Anybody kind of been in that situation? You just don't really know where to start. I don't, you know, I don't necessarily be supposed to be a staff person. I can't, not the preacher. So what, what am I supposed to do? And I was like, what we want to do is we want to come alongside those people and say, let's identify that. Let's identify those traits, identify the things that you're um, equipped for, and then ultimately get you involved in the kingdom and ultimately take these things and get you doing what you need to do. And so if we come across somebody that says, well, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do, but I just, I love caring for people. I'm really good at caring for people. I, I love people, and I feel like I've experienced Jesus and his goodness, and I want other people to know that, but I just, I don't know what to do with that. You know, if I heard you describe yourself like that, I'd probably say, you know, that sounds like you should probably be a connect group leader. That sounds like the perfect role of a connect group leader, but usually that type of person, they're like, oh, no, I couldn't do that. I couldn't be a connect group leader. I, I couldn't teach. You're like, okay, well, let's do this. That person over there, they said, you know, I'm not really the best at hosting people. I'm not really the best at, I just, I, I, I don't think to reach out to people all the time, but like I'm a professor for my, my living. I, I know how to teach. Like I, I'm good at teaching. I, I love God's word and I feel like I'm kind of good at trying to explain it anytime I talk to people and I try to explain it, they seem to understand. And so I, I feel like I should have some type of luck together. Let's pair you up to where you've got one person that's saying, hey, I'm gonna host this group. I'm gonna care for this group. I'm gonna love on this group. I'm gonna make sure that we're still, we're moving the ball down the field. And then you have this other person that says, hey, I'm, I'm gonna focus in on teaching. I'm, when, when, when they get here and we're gathered, uh, I can teach, all right? But I just, I can't do anything beyond that, right? You take those two people together and all of a sudden, that's a, that's a strong connect group right there, isn't it, right? And so that was the, the desire is to, is, I'm telling my dad this, is let's try to identify those things. And so he goes, okay, that, that makes sense. He said, it's kind of like, he's like, and I don't know where it's at in the Bible, but that scripture that says something about, you know, if, if your gift is teaching, then, then teach. If it's serving, then serve. If it's prophesying, then prophesy. And I said, yes, absolutely. That's, you got it. You understood it. And like, here's what's so cool about that, guys. And is that, my, again, my parents, they're very new to the faith. They never really read the Bible. Well, last year, you know, we did the 412 reading plan, and we went through the New Testament, right? My dad, he, this was his first time reading through the New Testament. Again, he didn't remember exactly where this was, but I'm talking about something, and he immediately pulled, I remember reading something about that. I remember doing that. How cool is it when all of a sudden our experiences, the thing we're going through, ties into something we've read before, and the Scripture begins to come alive, and we begin to see that, oh, there's, there's a point to all this. All this actually makes sense. And I was, so it was just really encouraging for me to be able to see that and to see like the light go off and him, him to understand, okay, I see what y'all are doing. I see what you're trying to do here. So the next morning on Monday morning, and so I decided, hey, why don't we get together and we'll do a little devotion time. And so I was sharing them this story with them. And so I decided, hey, why don't we read that chapter um, in Romans that talks about what my dad was quoting right there? Because I'm like, if we're getting ready to begin to explore people's spiritual gifts and explore how to use them as staff, we should probably be prepared for that and kind of be knowledgeable about that. And so that comes from Romans chapter 12. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can go and turn to Romans chapter 12. 
This is a very um, familiar chapter of the Bible. Many of you probably read this before. Um, This is the one that kind of opens up with um, very famous scripture where it says, um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So again, we're, we're called to something different. As Christians, we're called to do something different. So this is a very, again, familiar um, passage that we've, we've read before. Again, if it's not going to be about us, and, that's, and culture says it's supposed to be about us, hey, we're going to do something different. So we're going to say it's not going to be about us. So we're not going to conform to what the world's saying. So we see that. And then you jump down um, to verse 6 in chapter 12. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. In accordance with your then give encouragement. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is, to, if it is giving, then give generously. Excuse me. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so we see that passage that my dad was quoting right there. And so we started talking about that as a group. And we started kind of talking about kind of what some of those things mean. And um, it was one of those conversations where we ended up in the book of Jeremiah. I don't even know how we ended up there. um, But it was kind of, I don't know if you've ever kind of been studying the Bible or you're doing something. You don't really realize how you ended up where you ended up. It was kind of one of those situations. Um, But somebody said something about Jeremiah. And the reason they, I, I want to say the reason that they said this is they were thinking about how we were created, is that when you look at those gift sets, obviously we were all created differently, and there's different people that have different gift sets. And so I think this person was thinking about the book of Jeremiah because there's a line in Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 4, that says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I knew you, I, or excuse me, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And they were just thinking about, think about how crazy it is that all of these gift sets, all these different unique abilities that we have, God knew what he was doing in the very beginning. Before he even created us, he knew how he wanted to create us. He knew the purpose that he wanted to use us for. And so this person was just kind of talking about Jeremiah. And I started thinking to myself, he was also a bullfrog who is recognizing that he's been created for a purpose. Jeremiah was a prophet. Um, He was also a bullfrog. Okay, I'm just going to see how that joke went. Okay, so, um, but Jeremiah, he's a prophet. He's he's somebody that has to kind of speak for the Lord, and he has to be somebody that's saying, hey, these are the things to come. And I started thinking, man, what a huge responsibility to speak for the Lord, right? I don't want that responsibility, right? That's, that's a dangerous responsibility. But I'm like, man, that had to be intimidating to Jeremiah. It's kind of what I'm thinking. So I'm expressing this to the group. I'm like, man, I wonder if that was intimidating to Jeremiah. Well, there's another person in this group that um, they were actually just taking an Old Testament class. They're like, yeah, I was actually just studying Jeremiah. And he, this was a huge struggle for him. Listen to what it says in the very next verse. It says, alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. And so we see Jeremiah going, God, I know you will desire me to do this, but I don't think I can do it. I don't think I have what it takes. I I know you're wanting me to do this, but I just don't know if I can do this. Again, this is the same Jeremiah that said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, right? We're familiar with this guy. He, He knows that he's been created for a purpose, but he's struggling in that purpose. Listen how the Lord responds. He says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. 
So I say to my toddler two-year-old when she doesn't want to clean up her bedroom, right? I'm like, here, go clean up your bedroom. She's like, no. And I'm like, you must go clean up your bedroom. Like, I have commanded you to do this. And she's like, no. And I'm like, fine, I'll go do it, right? Because sometimes you just have to pick and choose your battles, right? But, like, that's what, almost what I want to do. But I'm like, God, you kind of laid it down on Jeremiah pretty hard. What God does here is he says, look, Jeremiah, I'm not giving you an option here. I have called you to this. I have prepared you for this. I have equipped you for this. Why are you questioning that? Did you not just say that I knew you before you were born, right? I know what I'm doing here. And so he's saying, Jeremiah, I'm not letting you off the hook. No, this is a command. I am calling you to do this. And then I'm like, man, that's kind of intense. And I said, why was he so intense? And then right after that, another person in our group, he says, pay attention to what he says after that. He says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Now God speaks into what Jeremiah was really struggling with. He was fearful. He was afraid of going, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I'm good enough. Here's what Jeremiah forgot in that moment. It's not about him. It's not about what he was capable of. Just like Billy talked about last week, our serving comes from Jesus working through us, right? It is what Jesus speaking through us, right? So it's not about us being prepared. It's about Jesus desiring us to do through us. So, so if we're questioning whether we're capable of doing something that God is desiring us to do, we're not questioning ourselves. We're questioning Jesus. We're saying, you don't have what it takes. Like, think about that. That's what we're doing when we question those things. And so God is challenging Jeremiah on that, and he's saying, look, don't be afraid in these things. And then he gives them this incredible promise. He says, or really, he does something where he's about to speak through me. He says, then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Jesus, or God just basically said, Jesus too, God just basically said to him, look, I'm going to speak through you. I'm going to do the work, right? But I'm calling you to do this, sorry. So there's no reason to fear because I'm with you and I'm in this. And so we're looking at all this and like, honestly, it was just, a, it was a good time in the Lord, right? It was just a good time in, in the word. And I just felt like I, I was encouraged by that because I'm like, how many times do I feel the same way that Jeremiah feels when I feel like I don't have what it takes and to, to have that reminder of that, man, God has created me for a purpose and it's unique and it's different and it's not always what I want and it's um, not always um, how I thought it would be, but man, God's calling me not to have fear because he's gonna speak through me and he's gonna use me and I'm like, man, that's, that's cool. And so it was an encouraging time, right? Well, the following week, um, we come back um, on, on that next Monday, and um, again, we're kind of studying. We're still in chapter 12. And so I said, well, why don't we read in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12? This is another chapter of the Bible that talks about spiritual gifts. And I said, again, we're still studying this at church. Um, as staff, we need to be prepared for this. So let's study 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm not going to jump down to verse 4. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. 
All these are the work of, the, of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, there's a lot in there, right? And we could do a whole series on spiritual gifts and identifying that and understanding what this means and what that means. What I want you to take away from that right now is we all have different gifts, okay? Let's, let's just grab a hold of that. If you want to study on that on your own, encourage you to do that, or maybe we'll do a series sometime. Michael would be a great thing to do. So maybe as a body, through one has many parts, but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given to one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong in the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Underline that. He placed every one of these parts of the body just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak um, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So if one part suffers division in the body, but that the parts should be, have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So we read this again um, in this group, and I'm like, man, what a perfect picture of the, of the church, right? This is awesome when this works, right? When, when the body's functioning like the body needs to function, we're all doing our different roles. Man, it's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing. Well, as we're reading this, this is kind of what I'm thinking in the back of my mind. I, well, I strangely was thinking about growing up playing tennis, all right? So growing up playing tennis, um, I always liked and preferred playing singles over doubles. If you're not familiar with singles or with tennis, singles is where you play by yourself. Doubles is where you play with a partner. I know, crazy. So... But I preferred that because if I um, was playing doubles and I missed a shot, I would feel like I let my partner down, right? And vice versa, if they missed a shot, I was frustrated with them because they just missed the shot, right? In the same way, if I won in singles, it was because I, I did it. If I lost in singles, man, I had to own that. That was on me, right? I'm not saying this is the right way to look at things. It's just how I was in sports, all right? Maybe you can relate to that. I just, I like to, to either own it or to not to own it. And so... That's kind of what I was thinking about, and I'm like, okay, I feel like in some ways that same mindset, maybe I have a similar mindset when it comes to the church, when it comes to the body, because this is what I began thinking. This is what I began feeling like my, my perception was, was that when the body begins growing, when more people begin stepping in, doing what the Lord has called them to do, it gets messy, right? The more people involved, 
the more messy it becomes. The more chefs you get in the kitchen, right, the more opinions you get in the kitchen, it can get a little difficult, right? The larger this church gets, the more logistics are going to have to play into um, the, the, the factor, the more things that you're going to have to think about. It gets complicated sometimes, right? The more people that get involved, um, sometimes you um, people are going to begin doing things differently than you would do them. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I would have done that that way. I kind of preferred if, if they didn't do it that way or or sometimes the, the bigger the church gets, right, sometimes you, people get involved and you're like, I mean, I, I like them and all, but they're, they're just a little weird. Anybody run into any weird Christians, right? We can be a weird bunch from time to time, right? If you don't think that there's weird Christians out there, you're the, the, the weird Christian, right? Okay. So, but there's weird Christians out there, and it's like, I'm glad that they're part of the body of Christ. I just kind of wish that they were part of that body of Christ and not this part of the body of Christ. Like, these things begin happening. Like, if we're honest with, our, with ourselves, we begin to have these feelings. And so, like, I thought about that, and I'm like, and the other, the other side of it is that if more people get involved, I might not be able to have the same role that I once had, right? If more people begin doing things, the thing that I was in charge of before, the thing I was doing before, maybe I'm not able to do it anymore. Staff members, see, these, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And I'm like, I'm telling them, I said, as staff members, this might be something we need to check our hearts in. Because if we're inviting people to say, hey, begin to take a bigger role in the church, begin to do more things, we might struggle with this as staff because right now, we're kind of in charge of things. We have our hands on things. We can control things. The more people you get involved, the less control we're going to have. This might be something that we need to check ourselves in. And so I was looking, and I'm like, man, there's, there's probably a lot of pride and, and envy and just even doubt in, in, in some of these things, if I'm being honest. I said, again, I know that's how the church is supposed to look. I know it functions better that way, but sometimes it can be hard. And so that, I'm expressing this to the group. And somebody else in the group, he says, well, don't you find it interesting what Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians here, follows up this whole section. And what's the next chapter about? Love, right? Not about marriage, right? That's the, what we always think about this. Let's read some of chapter 13 here because it's going to make, for me, it changed 1 Corinthians 13 for me forever. It says this. It says, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only, only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is kind. It does not envy the gifts that somebody else has. It does not boast in our gift set. It is not proud of our gift set. It does not dishonor others because they're different from us. It is not self-seeking for what we want to see happen. It is not easily angered because we don't get to do what we want anymore. It keeps no records of wrongs when people do something and they get it wrong. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I'm like, man, it's like Paul knew what he was doing here. It's like he knew that our tendency was going to think, man, if we begin growing this thing, it's going to get difficult. It's going to get hard. And it would be a lot easier for me to hold on to this thing. It would be a lot easier for me to do this. But here, I'm not called to that. I'm called to love one another. I'm called not to boast in of myself. I'm called to raise other people up, even if they don't do things the way that I would do them. I'm called to raise other people up because maybe God wants something different from me than I ever imagined. We begin to see 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has whole new meaning for me now. And so I'm reading this. And I'm like, God, I feel like my mind was just renewed. I feel like I'm looking at this in a brand new way. And it was such a good time with the Lord because I'm like, man, I was honest with myself about my view 
of chapter 12, right? And really kind of what I was feeling. And then it's like God knew that I might be feeling that way because, again, I'm prone to wander, right? My natural tendency is to go the other direction. God recognizes that and says, you need together. Well, then, love. Don't forget that that's going to be what holds all of this together. Well, then, I jump back to Romans 12, what we read the week before this. Right after Paul talks about the gifts, talks about the, the gifts that take place right after that section, there's a title that says, Love in Action. He did it again, right? It's like he knows what's happening. In chapter 12, the next section after Paul talks about gifts, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It continues, and it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Again, Paul knows what we're thinking ahead of time. Not necessarily Paul. God does through Paul, right? He knows what we're thinking. He knows that our tendency is not going to be those things. And so when he talks about gifts and he talks about these things, we have to pair that with love. We can't just look at Scripture and only look at one section and not see what's around it, right? Oftentimes when we're looking at Scripture, we got to see what's around it. And so I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm, again, I'm just I'm seeing serving. I'm seeing the call of gifts in just a whole new way. And everywhere I looked, I began seeing this. Right now we're getting ready to do a new long sleeve shirt for our guest services people and our design team and was kind of come up with the shirt and they decided to focus it around Galatians chapter 5 verse um, 13 I believe yeah and I want to read that to y'all you don't necessarily have to turn there Um, Galatians 5 verse 13 says this it says you my brothers and sisters were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another humbly in love, right? So it's saying, look, when we are called to this, we are called to serve other people. We're, we're not, not to use this freedom to indulge what we want, what we desire, what, what we need. We're called to, to um, lower ourselves and serve one another in love. It continues, it says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And I thought when I read that, I'm like, man, so often that's what's happening. As the body begins to grow, as the body begins to take on new people, we begin to serve one another. So what happens is we begin to devour one another because things don't go the way that we want them to go. Things begin looking different. Things begin to be out of our control. And while we know God's in control, because we're so hardwired to want to control things and want to be the ones and trust this system that's doing the very thing that we're called not to do, which is to love one another, to trust one another, to trust this system that God created, to trust that God knew what he was doing when he made the church as a body to have many parts. God actually understood that this was going to be the best way for things to happen. Here's the thing, church. If we can grab a hold of this, if we can trust this system, if we can trust the way God built things, incredible things will happen. Here's what it looks like when we trust this. Here's what it looks like when we trust that God has created us in unique ways and what that begins to play out as. In the book of Ephesians, you can turn there, and this will be the last scripture that we're in. Book of Ephesians, chapter 4, we see the picture of what it can look like when we trust the way that God has created the body. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, 
As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and, and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, even when things are difficult, through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so we see, again, here's that picture of us being together in this thing of us, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here's what's happening here. This is the first step to trusting the system. Because here's the thing. God's created and given and equips different people to be able to teach us, right? To be able to shepherd us, to pastor us, to pour into us. Basically, what's happening right now? Like, there's a reason God created teachers. Because we need to be poured into. We need to be equipped. We need to be raised up. We've got to trust that, right? What that means, if we're going to trust that, we've got to be able to, to be in this house consistently. We need to be able to open God's word and hear it preached to us consistently, right? If, you, if we're going to be strengthened, if we're going to be um, built up into who Christ desires us to be, for us to be doing the things he wants us to do, we've got to be taught. We've got to be poured into, right? If you're going to the gym only once or twice a month, you're, only, you're not going to get that strong. It's kind of the same thing in the church. If we're only coming once or twice a month, we're not going to get the strength that we need. Now, I'll give you a little caveat. I'm not saying you have to go to church to be a Christian, right? Going to church does not make you a Christian, right? And I'm not saying you can't ever miss. Things come up. Things happen. It's not about that. What I'm saying is that Scripture does say that we're not to neglect meeting with one another, right? We're called to be together because when we're together, we can spur each other on, right? We can encourage one again that it's all about coming to church. It's a good thing to be together. So don't miss that. I'm not saying again that it's all about coming to church, but we need to be poured into. We need to be taught because if we're taught, then we're equipped and we can actually take these gifts that we've been given because, again, a gift has to be developed. It has to be um, poured into. As, you, know, you don't just wake up one day and you're just awesome at teaching, right? You know, my wife, she's a teacher. She's a third-grade teacher. She had to go to, to college. She had to um, follow other teachers. She had to learn. She had to learn how to actually be able to, to do this, right? We've got to be equipped. We've got to be poured into. So if that begins happening, we begin to listen to teachers and realize that they have a role to play. A teacher has a role to play, and that's to equip us, to teach us. If we trust that and say, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna heed to that. I'm going to allow other people to be able to pour into me. Here's what happens. Here's what begins to happen. It says, then in chapter 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's the picture of the church right there. That's what happens when we understand this, when we trust this and says, look, I don't have to do everything. I'm going to trust that person to do this, and I'm going to trust this this person to do that. I'm going to trust that person to do that. We're all going to collectively continue to be equipped, continue to be poured into. We're going to become mature. We're going to begin moving. We're going to begin doing things. And we're going to see God just shown over an entire city. We're going to see Jesus' name just shouted from the rooftops because we're all playing our part. And I look at that and I'm like, man, that's incredible when that works, when the whole thing works and we can trust that we don't have to do it all. Man, how beautiful is it when that can happen? 
And I feel like, you know, that excites us, you know. Nobody in here is going, I don't think I really want that, right? We, we desire that. We want that. But here's what begins to happen. I believe that there's almost, I believe in this room, we hear messages like this and we go, yeah, I hear you in that. But I believe there's almost some objections that almost begin to happen. There's things that we begin to, when you hear a message like this, you go, that, that's good. But in the back of your mind, I think every one of us have a thought. In the back of our mind, there's some type of subconscious thought. And I feel like I've been doing this long enough to know kind of what we're thinking in this. And there, I feel like there's almost three groups of people, maybe four groups of people in here. The first group of people would say, look, I agree with this whole concept of spiritual gifts and this whole idea that every person is uniquely made. And, man, that, that makes complete sense. And, um, but then you, you call them to do something and you say, hey, this, this is what you're called to. And they go, well, that's not me. Right, that's for somebody through a purpose-driven life. I was taking my parents through it at the time. And again, this is kind of before they were believers. Um, and my mom was reading it and she was going, you know, like we were talking about evangelism, talking about sharing your faith. And she's like, man, I, I think that's definitely something that's, that's good for people to do, but that's not me, right? That's, that's somebody else's gift. I, just, I can't do that. I can't, I'm not good with my words. I don't know what to say. And so the thing that I would want to say is that if, if you're in here and there's a, there's a moment in your life where you go, that's not me, there's two things I think we need to separate. We need to separate a gift set and a calling, okay? There are people that are gifted to evangelize. There are people that are gifted at sharing the gospel, right? Some are gifted. All of us are called to that, right? How do I know that? Because, well, one, Jesus said it. He says, look, when he said, go and make disciples, right, he wasn't saying that to a select few. He was saying that to every single person in this room. We are all to go and to make disciples. It says in First Peter that Peter, Peter, good grief. He says in First Peter that we should always be prepared in and out of season to give a response for the hope that we have, right? The reason we believe what we believe, we should always be prepared to respond to that, right? That's, that's a calling on all of us, not just a select few. Generosity, right? That's another one. There's some people that are gifted at being generous. How do you know if you have that gift? More than likely you have money, all right? But we are all called to be generous, right? The pulled it up this morning. tells us we are called to be generous. Here's what's so cool, guys. I was looking at you. I pulled it up this morning. Well, I was looking at that, um, that money that y'all raised, that $50,000. There was a handful of people that, that gave a good portion of it, right? But there was also a group of people that you gave what you had. And there was people that gave $100. There was people that gave $5,000. And what I noticed about that, both of them sacrificed, Right? It wasn't about the amount. It was about the sacrifice. And what I realized, and what, the other thing that was so cool, half of the people that gave towards that, that was your first time ever giving anything to this church. And so you looked at the opportunity and said, I don't know if my gift set is generosity, but I know I'm called to be generous, right? And so I'm going to choose to step into this. And I'm going to choose to do this. And so I realized it wasn't about a gift set. You realized, hey, I'm called to this, right? Now, there's other gifts like prophecy, right? Prophecy is something that only some people have, right? We're not all called to be prophets. And so that's an area that that's just a gift set. It's not necessarily a calling. So if you're sitting here and you're saying, that's just not me, I want you to make sure, are you, is that a calling or is that a gift set? You need to ask yourself that. And you need to think about, is there anywhere else in scripture that I see in one of, one of these gift sets? Is it, am I called to something else beyond that? Am I called to more than that? Or is it just a gift set? The other group of people in here is you're gonna say, I know I might be gifted in something, but I'm not as good as that person in this gift, and so I, I'm going to let them do that. Right? Um, but like enough for this, I know we're about out of time, but oh well. Um, but like I don't feel like I'm I'm good enough for this, 
And so you're questioning how, who God created you to be. I wanted to read something. Um, this is in a book that my wife's reading right now. It's called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And it's about um, basically doubt. And it's about fear. It's about um, kind of not thinking that we're good enough. Um, and it starts off and it's talking about um, painting. It's talking about art. And it says, making art provides uncomfortability or uncomfortably accurate feedback about the gap that inevitably exists between what you intended to do and what you did. And that gap never stays silent. It reverberates with commentary. Sadly, for too many of us, it's negative commentary. This is such a ploy of Satan. He loves to take a beautiful moment of life and fill it with a negative narrative about our failures that plays over and over until the voice of God is hushed. Satan perverts the reality that we are beloved children of God. He wants our thoughts to be tightly entangled in his thoughts. These are his thoughts. This is his script, not good enough. We hear it when we try to create. We hear it when we try to be brave and start something new. We hear it when we try to overcome what has been and step into what could be. Remember, while God converts with truth, the enemy perverts the truth. God wants us transformed, but Satan wants us paralyzed. So when we hear thoughts like, I'm not good enough, that cause us to shrink away. We must keep in mind that the enemy will do anything he can to prevent us from moving closer to God or connecting more deeply with other people. This truth we think we hear is not the truth at all. Many of us, we question our own abilities. We question and think, I don't, I'm not as good as that person. It's not a competition with gift sets, right? It's not about this person is better at this than this person. It's about all of us using the gifts, using the way that God has uniquely created us to be. Some of you are on the sidelines because you think, I'm not good enough to do that. We had somebody in Statesboro that's been serving on our production team for five years, been doing running lights, doing cameras, all that different type of stuff. All of a sudden she comes up to us and says, um, I kind of want to try out to play bass. And you're like, you play an instrument? Like, we never even knew this. And so she comes and tries out, and we kind of don't really know what to expect. It's like, what's going to happen? We're like, I guess go ahead and play. And she's like, okay, I'm, I, don't, I guess I don't really know where to start. And she's like, and we're like, what the heck, right? Like, what the heck, bro? Like, what are you doing? Like, but the whole time she's like, but I can't do what they do, right? They're, they're too good. I, I see the way he plays, and I just, that's not me. All along, we're going, no, you're incredible. You're awesome. But she questioned her own gift set. The last thing is that the last group of people that are in here is that if we begin getting more people involved, then that means I'm not going to be able to do something anymore. Unfortunately, I've seen this in a lot of other ministries, not here, um, but a lot of times this happens in worship teams, right? You see this where you say, well, I want to hold on to this, right? But the thing is, is that what happens when you're, you're gone? You're not going to be here forever, all right? Don't know if you know that or not. Right? We're not guaranteed forever in this life, right? If we're not constantly raising up more people, raising up the people that are going to come after us, then we're missing huge opportunities. Many of us, we're holding on to what we're doing right now because we're the ones in charge. This is something as a staff person, this is hard for me at times because when I'm in control, it's easy. When I have to begin letting go of that, I'm not the one in charge anymore. I'm not the one doing this anymore. Here's the thing. I love it when Michael sends me a message that, hey, man, I'd love for you to come preach here. Man, that, it's encouraging. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like, man, I'm, I'm wanted. I'm, de I'm desired. I have something to offer. He might not ever do it again, but like, wow, like I'm excited about it, right? But see, here's the thing. There is a fear in me that he's not going to do it again, that maybe I, I wasn't good enough, or maybe he's going to find other people to do it instead. There, that's kind of a fear because I enjoy doing it. My hope is at some point he does stop calling me because what that means is that there's people out here you've been given the ability to teach and you're gonna be the next person to be raised up. And so while I don't wanna miss out on that opportunity because I enjoy doing it, I hope 
that it happens at some point. I hope other people can come do that because what that means is that while I've been used today in this moment, then in the future maybe I'll be used in a new way that I never thought imaginable. Maybe a singer might not sing every Sunday anymore, but now they're going to begin to shepherd new singers and they're going to be used for today. What group of realized they were going to be used before? So if you're in this room, I think you need to examine your heart today. What group of people are you in? Are you going, that's not me, that's somebody else, and you're just putting off what God's calling you to because you're trying to use it in this as an excuse? Are you fearful that you're not good enough, and that you don't have what it takes, and maybe you need to examine, hey, if Jesus is, is in you, you're good enough. You have what it takes because he's going to do it in and through you. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he's wanting to do through you. Or you're in here, you're in a place of authority, but you're holding on to everything. You're not wanting to pass that on to other, other people. You're not raising up other people because it's about you. And it's about you being in charge. I don't know where you're at in this room, but I think every one of us is in one of those categories. I know for me, I was in that third category. I've been kind of holding on to some stuff because it's safer that way. And I need to, I need to begin pouring into other people. I need to begin raising up other people. That fourth category you might be in today is none of this makes sense to you because you don't know the Lord. You've never surrendered your life to him. And you need to do that today. You need to, to say, I want to be used by the Lord, but I guess the first place I need to start is I need to follow Jesus. I need to know who he is. And so I know we've gone long, but this is what I want you to do. As we sing this last song, I want you to examine your heart. I want you to ask the Lord, God, where am I in this? Am I, what, what category am I in? If you don't know him today, grab me, grab Michael, grab the person in the blue shirt, whoever you need to grab and say, I need to know Jesus today. I need to start with step one, to jump in. Then you know, I need to begin to step in. and I'm ready to jump in. Then talk with somebody and sign up for something. It doesn't even have to be within these four walls. There's so much more to the kingdom than guest services, kids, students, and prayer and worship, right? There's so much more to happen, right? Those are just some of the things that we have inside of here. There's so much more. And I encourage you, I implore you, step into what God is desiring for you to do. Recognize your tendency. Recognize that you want to go the other direction. But heed to that and recognize that, man, I need to listen to these scriptures. I need to see that I need to love. I need to be open to what God's wanting us to do. Let's pray. Father, God, I know that was a lot of information, almost like a fire hose. And God, I apologize that that's almost how it was communicated. But God, I'm hoping that it spoke to every single person in this room in maybe a unique way. God, I know that each one of them in here they might be in one of those three categories. And God, they need to be honest with themselves, just like I needed to be honest. and needed to admit um, my pride, admit my selfishness, admit the areas where, um, or the areas where I became envious of what somebody else had. I didn't want to allow somebody else to do something because I knew that they were probably more qualified than me for it. God, it's tough to be honest with ourselves sometimes. It's tough to admit those things. I know we don't always vocalize those things out loud, but God, I pray that we can be honest with ourselves and honest with you. And no matter where that is, God, I pray that maybe in group this week, they can open up about that and confess those things and then begin to take steps forward. God, as we examine our hearts today, God, if somebody doesn't know you, God, I pray they don't leave this room without knowing you. God, they grab somebody, they talk to somebody. I just pray that you move in hearts today. As we close in, in worship, God, I just pray that it is pleasing to your ear. We love you, God. We just lift all this up in your son's name.